if we get it right this time. There we go. Well, good evening. Oh, man. It is so hot outside. Oh, Lord. I must have put, took like 30 showers this week. And that was just before VBC began. It was just, oh, my <laughs> gosh, it was so hot and everything. It was so funny because I'm, I'm, I'm out there and all these little kids are coming up like, here, I can teach you soccer. And they start running everywhere. I'm like, I don't want to learn. <laughs> I don't want to learn. I never had that much energy. Well, tonight we're going to kind of wrap up this series. It was a really short series. Um, as next week we're going to be celebrating our anniversary and then um, getting ready for the fall and everything. But this whole idea of how to neighbor. Um, and, and last week, when, when you were here, we, we talked about, um, you know, who is my neighbor? And that's the wrong question. Because the way Jesus put it, that every, everyone's our neighbor. Everyone around us is, is our neighbor. And so it's, it's this question of how to neighbor, how, how to go out and view everyone the way God sees them. Um, and, and, and just to put ourselves out there. Uh, um, to love those people. I mean, that, that's what Christ calls us to. He, he commanded us, you know, love God with all your heart and love people. And, and so putting that to action. So tonight, what I want to do is help us give us a few more tools about how, how to neighbor. Because I think there's, a, there's an epidemic in, in our world right now. And, and it, it affects every single person. I think it's, it's called loneliness. And... and and I think it's more common than we know. I think a lot of times we see people maybe in a crowd and there's a bunch of people around them. But in the midst of that, they're still lonely. And it could be, it could be because of economic standings, that there's so much pressure on them. They feel all alone um, because there's so much pressure on them. It could be that they're, they're in a job that they don't like and they feel all alone. It could be that some, they've just been forgotten. They're, they're just a group of people that nobody thinks about. They, but no matter what, it's rampant. And I think one of the biggest causes is social networking. Um, we think that, you know, just because I have a thousand Facebook friends, I'm popular and I have relationships. But the problem is there's no interaction there. And so in that, we are lost in loneliness. I remember there's this, there's this great Toyota commercial. I wish I had it um, about this, this girl talking about her parents saying, well, you know, everyone's out of the house. They're retired now. They're going to be lonely and everything. I'm teaching them Facebook. So that they can have a life. And she's there probably. And mom and dad are out in like their new Toyota driving all over the country having a blast and everything and meeting all kinds of new people. The problem is, is in our culture, we've replaced Facebook updates and tweets for a real relationship. And in the midst of that, we have loneliness that, that's coming in. And so um, tonight, this is really what I want to talk about. How do the lonely get loved? And I think as a church, we should be leading the way with this. Elizabeth Elliott, um, the great missionary. And everything, um, you, you probably know her husband was a martyr and everything. He said, she said this, loneliness comes over us sometimes as a sudden tide. It is one of the terms of our humanness, human, I can't even see this, and in a sense, therefore, incurable. That at some time, each of us face loneliness. And what I want as a church and as people, I think we need to start being on the lookout for this. I think above everyone else, if you're a follower of Christ today, that you have something that they desperately want. See, I, I don't believe we can live in real community with one another without God binding us together. I, I think we lost that when the fall happened. I think we lost the sense of community, and that's where the church comes in. And so tonight we're going to be looking at a couple of stories um, that Jesus told about loneliness, about different types of people. And hopefully we can start seeing maybe ourselves in that or someone maybe that's sitting 
down the road from us or in a cubicle next to us or just across the street somewhere. And so would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you, first of all, that we're not alone. God, that you're here. God, I pray tonight that you would just speak. God, that you would give us eyes to start seeing the people around us, seeing the community, God, seeing the brokenness and the loneliness that is all around us, God, and giving us, give us the courage, God, to do something. God, just to step out. God, to be your church, what you created us to be. Father, if there's anything that needs to happen tonight, I pray that you would just have your way. If there's people that need to deal with things, God, then let it be tonight. God, if, if, there, if there are um, circumstances, if there are trials, if there's any sense that has separated us from you, God, I pray that you would just deal with that tonight. That we would just not leave this place just going to another church service. But God, you would give us the tools, you would give us the passion, you would give us the heart to go out and do what you want us to do in this world. So, Father, I ask that you would speak, that it would be your words and not my words tonight. And, God, that you would give us your heart. God, give us ears to hear and heart to respond to your word tonight. May it change us. We give you all the glory. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to be sitting in Matthew and John and kind of bounce around a little bit. So if you have a Bible, you can grab it. If you don't have a Bible, please take one of ours, put your name in it, keep it. Um, we'll get more and all stuff. But tonight I want to talk about loving the lonely, the lonely actually being loved. And I think there are kind of two sets of people right now in our culture and everything. And I think the very first one is the ostracized. There are a group of people that we kind of look at and we're like, I don't really want to deal with them. And, and they're kind of on the fringes and then they're kind of out there and we, we kind of avoid them, you know. And sometimes, you know, you know, I was in Chicago one time and we were driving around with leaders. We were at a conference and we got lost and we made a wrong turn. If you've ever been in Chicago, that's a very dangerous thing to do. <laughs> all I know is that we were under all the roads and it was dark and it was... Lights were busted, and we pulled the van over and said, we got to figure out where we're doing. And as soon as we start, people started coming out of the shadows. <laughs> we're like, I don't care, floor it. Let's, let's get out of here. We don't want to stay on. There's a group of people that we kind of look at, and we say, no, nah, we don't want to hang out with them and stuff. And it may be because of their economic status. It may be because of their, their belief system or who they hang out with or they have so many tattoos or whatever. But there are people that we have ostracized. It's been the same forever. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 8. And tonight I want to start talking about the most ostracized people probably, <coughs> excuse me, in the time of Jesus. Starting at verse 1, it says, When he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away a man with a serious skin disease came up and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse 3, reaching out his hand, he touched them, saying, I'm willing, be made clean. Immediately his disease was healed. Then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses prescribed as a testimony to them. If you don't know what we're talking about here, um, most, most translations will say a leper, someone with leprosy. And if you don't know a lot about leprosy, it was a, it's a disease that kind of attacks the nerves. Um, you, you can't tell, you know, when you feel pain, that's a good thing because you know something's wrong. Someone with leprosy doesn't feel like pain, it, it attacks the nerves, so they could cut themselves and not know it, and all of a sudden it gets rotted. 
and everything. And it causes skin lesions and it, 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 it disfigures everything. And so these people, if you were seen with a skin disease, you were ostracized immediately. You were taken away from your family. You were sent out of the town, wherever you were living or whatever. And you were sent to a leper commune pretty much to die. But there was no longer any physical contact. There was no longer any touch. You, you couldn't even talk. In fact, you had to walk around with a bell, like a cowbell on your neck, so that if you saw people, you would ring it. And at the top of your lungs, you'd have to yell, unclean, 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 so everybody would know. Because no one could touch you. No one could be near you. You couldn't be near you. You couldn't ever go to the temple. You could never go to church. You couldn't hang out with your family. You couldn't do anything. All you could do is hang out with the other lepers, and they didn't want to hang out with each other. I mean, imagine that life. Imagine everything you know, everything that you love just being ripped away from you. And you can see it, but you can't go near it. In fact, the law said that if a leper came into a crowd and didn't yell unclean, by law, people could pick up rocks and start stoning them to death. And so in this passage, we see that Jesus is teaching large crowds are following him. And it says right away, a man with a serious skin disease with leprosy came up and knelt before him. He took every risk possible to come up to Jesus. Imagine how much courage that took. Because he knows the law. He knows that I'm not allowed to do this. You know, I kind of picture like the entire crowd just sitting there. And Jesus always has a crowd around him listening to him and, and trying to hear and trying to get close to him and everything. And all of a sudden this guy with leprosy with bandages and probably all hobbled comes comes up. I can just imagine this entire crowd just splitting. I can imagine this crowd saying, he's not supposed to be here. He, he can't come near him. Maybe even picking up a stone and getting ready. And I almost see Jesus just like hushing the crowd. What faith it took for this man. What courage it took for this man to walk up to Jesus. And, and I love that in verse 3, it says, reaching out his hand, he touched him, saying, I'm willing, be made clean. Over and over in scripture, people came up. In fact, later in this chapter, a centurion sends his servant and says, hey, my servant's sick, and, and I need you to come. And Jesus, from where he was standing, says, no, she's fine. He's fine. They're good. Just with a simple word could, could heal. And yet this man, he, he touched. I, I almost believe that Jesus found like the dirtiest, nastiest store, sore and put his hand on him. And, and, and that's the power of loving the lonely. It's the power of touch. Because what was more important, I, I think it was incredible for this man saying, yeah, I'm healed. But can you imagine that someone for the first time and who knows how long actually touched him? Gosh, how many people do we see walking around on this planet that just need someone to touch them? You know, I, I believe all my heart that if anybody enters the church and leaves, before they leave, they should be touched six times. There should be a handshake. There should be a hug. There should be a slap on the back. There should be something. But there's something about physical touch that connects us. And I know we're this we're politically correct culture and everything, and we're like, well, I don't want to interfere in their like safe bubble and everything. But sometimes people just need a hug. I'm not a hugger. 
I'm, I'm really not. I'm an awkward hugger. You know, because I was a youth pastor and everything. As a youth pastor, it's like I taught all my, taught all my leaders, it's like there's only two types of hugs you can do. A-frame hug, keep your hands up high so everybody knows, or side hug. You know, and you have that little middle school girl that runs into you like, hey, Tony. I'm like, hey. <laughs> right there, fit right there. Just, I'm an awkward hugger, but there's sometimes that people just need a hug. Now, I'm not saying, listen, if you walk around Walmart tomorrow and start hugging people, chances are you're going to be banned from Walmart. And, and I hate those kids when I go to, like, concerts and we take them to, like, concerts and stuff and they'd be wearing the shirts, like, free hugs, free hugs. And I'd be yelling out, girls, make them earn it, you know. Nothing's for free. But sometimes people just need a touch. Sometimes we need to forget about all what culture says. We need to look at those people that have just been ostracized. You know, there's this 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 great story that there was um <clears throat> there was a town in the south somewhere, and they were having a gay lesbian march through it. And all these churches lined up says if they're going to pick it, we're going to pick it, and they were all there except one church. One church set up a water station. And as people came by, they handed water and said, hey, can we just give you a hug? Can we just give you a hug? They said it was the most peaceful demonstration they'd ever seen. That there was just a bunch of people that came back to that church the next week and said, you're the only people that have ever hugged us in this community. What if we started looking at people the way Jesus saw them? Not as disease, not as, not as, not as unworthy, and, and we just met them there, and, and we touched them. We we touched them with our words, and we touched them with hugs, and we touched them with with our hearts, because there are there are literally thousands of people all around this area within within ten minutes of this church that are wondering, does anybody even care that I exist? Because the, the world's forgotten about us. They, they just look at me as somebody that needs a handout. They just look at me as somebody that I should have a job or I should, and all this stuff. And we don't know their stories. How amazing would it be if this was a place where they could come and be loved in a real way? And you, just a little side note, which I, I think is amazing. It says in verse 4, it says, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer a gift that Moses prescribed as a testimony. There, there was this thing. He had to go to the priest and show that he was healed, and he was entered back into community. That's what it was back in Leviticus. God set up this law and everything. But if you read the other Gospels, he goes and tells everyone. Isn't it funny? That the ones Jesus said don't tell anybody goes and tells everyone, but us, he says, for us to go and tell everyone, we don't tell anyone. And that's the power of touch. That's the power of someone that desperately needs. Well, there's a whole nother set of people <coughs> that I don't, I don't think we, we often, I think they're the forgotten. I, I think there are people that have, that are been in church all today, all over this planet, that sit in the middle of massive crowds and they feel desperately alone. 
I think there are people whose kids have moved on and they're wondering, does any, anybody care anymore? And I think there are people that have too many kids that are like, does anybody care? <laughs> and, and they just feel forgotten. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've heard it from people saying, yeah, I'd go to church, but I showed up at church, I walked in, no one said anything to me, and I walked out, and nobody said anything to me. Why, why would I go there? I can be forgotten at home. And the problem is, is when, when we feel that way, we kind of get into a pity party, too. We get we lock ourselves into that and everything. Turn, turn with me to John chapter five. It's one of my favorite stories in John, and it's only found in John. Um, it's, it's not in the other Gospels, but it's just a really, really cool story. Starting at verse one. Sorry, Jesus again. After this, a Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. We don't know what festival it is. Apparently, it's not important enough for us to know. But we just know Jesus was there. Verse 2. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there's a, cool, a pool called Bethesda in Hebrew, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. And the first one who got in after the water was stirred, stirred up recovered from whatever ailment he had. I just want to stop there. I just want to get you this picture real quick. Here, here's this, the sheep gate. It's called the sheep gate because that's where all the sheep went through that were being sacrificed at the temple. The pool was where they kind of cleaned them all off and stuff as they were going in. And so this was nasty water. And the legend was that an angel would come down and kind of dip its wing and stuff, and the water would stir. And we don't know if that's true or if it's just the wind blew and the water stirred. But everyone that was there thought they just believed, if I get in the water, if I'm the first one in the water, when we see it move, I'm going to be healed. And so people would bring paralyzed and lame, all the sick, and they would just lay them there and, and put them there for the hopes that someone get. And we have no idea how many, probably hundreds of people just kind of laying there trying to find shade, just trying to get into this pool. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is by the sheep gate? And I think it's interesting that John mentions that it's that gate and he's there because Jesus is the Lamb of God. And it doesn't say, but I kind of wonder if he entered Jerusalem through that gate. But this is a picture. You just see a mass of humanity kind of laying around. And, and, and just waiting, hopefully, for their chance to get healed. Look at verse 5. One man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? I love Jesus always asks the obvious question, and we never give the obvious answer, because listen to the man's answer. Verse 7, sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me in the pool when the water stirred up. But while I'm while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. I've been here 38 years. And, and every time I go, people just walk over me. It's like no one even notices me. I, I've been forgotten and I'm just stuck here for 38 years. I've been laying here. And so Jesus question was simple. Do you want to get well? And right now we have people that have been disenfranchised with church or gone away because someone has hurt their feelings. Someone has forgotten them. And a lot of them were sitting home or still sitting in the churches just grumbling and sitting there going, well, everyone's forgotten me. And unfortunately, a lot of times it's true. We have. We, we've just we've gotten so busy with doing church stuff, we forgot the church, which is the people. 
And so Jesus, simple question, do you want to get well? Verse 8, Jesus answers it for him. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Verse 9, instantly the man got well, picked up his mat and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. I just believe all my heart there are people out there right now waiting to be noticed. Waiting for someone just to pay attention to them. To, to see them. Have, have you ever felt invisible in a crowd? It's, it's one of the loneliest feelings. That you, 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 you're trying to do everything that you're supposed to do, and yet no one, no one notices you. Man, we, we got to open our eyes, church. We got to start seeing people. And it may be someone that's in a cubicle right beside you. It may be someone that's just down the street from you. It may be someone, maybe someone that you go to school with. You know, the last youth ministry in, we had a challenge for our kids. No one eats lunch alone. I, I dare you to walk into your lunchroom, look for someone sitting alone, and go have lunch with them. I don't care where you usually sit. No one eats lunch alone. What if that was our heart? That everyone we see, like no one needs to feel alone. Just noticing someone. I also love that Jesus had said this was on the Sabbath. And if you read the rest of that chapter a little farther on, then there's this whole inquisition after this. They see the man walking like, what are you doing with your mat? It's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to be doing all the religious leaders. You're not supposed to be doing this. This is not right. Who healed you? And he's like, I don't I don't know and everything. And he gets a little scared. He knew exactly who healed him. <laughs> but he gets a little scared. But I, I love that Jesus chose people over tradition. And I think so many times we get so locked up in, in, in our stuff and in our busyness that we forget that the most important thing on this planet to God is the people. <coughs> Heaven and earth will pass away. His word will remain. It is us that is the crown jewel of all creation. It is us who Jesus came and died for. It is us that God pursues. We, we are the most important thing. And any time we become more entrenched in programs over people we are no longer the church any times we get so locked into strategies and and this and we should do it this way and we should do it that way and we forget the people we are no longer the church people always over tradition listen i'm not saying that we we <coughs> excuse me compromise we compromise on our doctrine, compromise on God's word. We, we won't do that here. I promise you that. If we do, fire me. Find a new pastor. But what we do program-wise is never more important than the people. And man, we need to be looking out and just noticing. We need to see those people that have been ostracized. We need to see those people that, that everyone else has forgotten. We need to see those people that nobody else wants and say, man, we come on here. We are the island of misfit toys. That's the church. It really is. All of us come from different places, different backgrounds. And, and I'll say it every Sunday until Jesus returns. The one thing we have in common is we all need a Savior. That's the thing that binds us all together. And so, so we always choose people. 
we, we, we've got to look for him. We, we've got to look because that's what Jesus calls us to do. So there's some things that we can do that we can practically do to love the lonely. Uh, the first thing is loving by listening. I love this. Luke 24. This is after, after Jesus had rose again and everything. And this is the Emmaus Road. And there are people walking, and Jesus walks up, and they don't recognize him. They don't, they don't see that he hasn't revealed himself yet. And it says, they're, they're kind of talking, and Jesus says, then he asks them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And as they stop walking and look discouraged, the one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? Verse 19, what things? I love that Jesus had the art. He listened. I mean, he could just show up and says, dude, I'm right here. <laughs> But, but listen, how many times do we like to talk? Listen, here, here's a goal for you this week. Focus on being interested, not interesting. Listen, I, I got to work on this because I get a thousand things running through my head before church and someone's talking to me. And I know, I, I know, I get that kind of glazed look in my eye and I'm just sitting there going, uh-huh. Everything. That's not. I, I apologize for that, and I'm I'm working on that. But what if we actually showed real interest? What if we actually start asking, "Hey, what's your story? What what's going on? How was your week?" And actually stop long enough, not just go like, "Well, you think your week is bad? <laughs> you should have." But just shush. By the way, do you know that the exact same words that are in listen are in silent? What if we shut our mouths and opened our ears? Listen, this this last week, well, I had little kids come up to me, and, and they just they talked about like 30 different things at one time. And one thing that Disney taught me is that like when a kid talks to you, you get down on their level. My back was killing me by day two because I was just down here and like, and I did this and I did that, and I played soccer. And I was I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, someone has stopped this kid. <laughs> but it was the coolest thing in the world that they would come up and like, I want to share this. Listen, there are people waiting to be noticed that want to talk and just know that someone will listen to them. Jesus modeled that. And so what if we love them just by listening? How much more good can we do if we know what the needs are? And how will we ever know what the needs are if we don't just stop and listen? The other thing is loving with time. Loving with time. Look look at Luke chapter 8. Jesus had showed up to this town. The synagogue leader came up to him. My daughter's really sick. You may have known the story. He's like, I need you to come and, and help my daughter. And Jesus is like fighting through the crowd, trying to get there. He's on a mission and everything. In verse 43, it says, A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years who had spent all she had on doctors yet could not be healed by any, approached from behind and touched the tassel of this road. Instantly, her bleeding stopped. You get this picture. Jesus is in this crowd, and they're on a mission. They're trying to get him to the synagogue leader. And here's this woman. That's been suffering with an issue for years and years and years. And she's like, man, if I could only touch him, I can be healed. And, and so she sneaks in, she touches him. And Jesus, what he does, I love it, verse 45, he says, who touched me? <laughs> Peter looks at him and says, master, there are crowds all around you, and you're asking who's touching you? But Jesus knew, someone touched me. I know that power's gone out. And the woman comes up, and she's like, it, it's, it's me. I'm sorry. 
And he stops and he's like, daughter, verse 48, daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. It's this beautiful thing that, again, no matter the busyness that we're in, do we take time to stop? Listen, I don't think there are any coincidences on this planet. I think there are a plethora of divine appointments that God gives us. And I wonder how many we miss because we're too busy. I know I get in that mode, man. I've got so much stuff to do. I've got to focus. I've got to focus. i got to get this done and stuff. Hey, can I talk to you? Yeah, just yeah, call me and we'll make an appointment. And, and when I read this, it, it convicts me that maybe that disruption is a divine appointment that God has placed. See, you want, you want to convince someone that's lonely that they are forgotten or they're ostracized? Ignore them. This is funny. The last church I was at, um, Friday was kind of the crazy day. Friday was the day everybody showed up to the church to try to get something. Like, you know, they need gas, they need food and everything like that. And I noticed I was the only one working on Fridays. <laughs> I found out why because I was the only one that would stop and like just talk to him. I mean, most of the time we couldn't do anything for him. But I remember sitting in my office and just people sharing their stories. And listen, I can't do it, but I can pray for you. Can I pray for you? I'm not saying you have to go solve all the world issues and all the problems and stuff. But maybe if you just give a little time, who knows what God will do with that? Maybe if you just listen and hear the story, who knows what God will do with that? See, loneliness is a disease that has no place on this planet. In God's original design, no one was lonely. We were in perfect communion with the Father. We were in perfect relationship with each other. And when sin came in, it destroyed all that. And God has spent the rest of time reminding us that you and I are not alone. Listen, if you don't hear anything else tonight, I, I don't know what you're facing in situations. I know the stuff that we face and we got to do it. I know there are times when we feel desperately alone. I mean, we love everyone. We love hanging out and stuff, but there are times where we feel desperately alone. And, and I know with things going on, you may feel alone. I just, I want you to hear this. You are not alone. Isaiah 41.10. It's a beautiful, beautiful verse. God speaking, verse 10, he says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. That's a pretty powerful statement, because when you talk about a king, the right hand was where the power. God says, I take that, and I will hold you, and I am with you, and you are not alone. Church, we can be we can be the answer of so many prayers if we will just stop long enough and see people.
the way God sees him. That quote from Elizabeth Elliot, I didn't read it all to you. I, w- I want to read the rest to you. She said, loneliness comes over us sometimes as a sudden tide. It is one of the terms of our humanness. Humanness. I still can't say that word. And in a sense, therefore, incurable. Did it come up? It still hasn't come up. Let me just read to you. Yet I have found peace in my loneliest times. Not only through acceptance of the situation, but through making it an offering to God. Who can transfigure it into something for the good of others. Thank you, Ryan. Listen. Tonight, if you feel like I'm all alone, I just I want you to hear that you're not. That there are moments in our lives where we do, where God kind of like sets us apart, where we learn to rely more on him. We learn to just like, okay, I'm going to trust in him. It, it is a promise that he gives us. It, it, is, it is a sure thing that he says, listen, I'm always with you. Jesus promised that when he left, he said, listen, you know, go into all the world and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm always going to be here. But the truth is, is that we are called to be just like that for other people. We're called to look into our neighborhoods and into where we work and our schools and all that and just say, God, who is it that you want me to connect with? I believe with all my heart that every single one of you are here because there's somebody in this community that God wants this church to connect with and you have the best opportunity. That God has wired you in such a way that you can connect to certain people. That's why the church is never just one person. It's not just the pastor or any of that. It's all of us together. That all of us are here because there are people that desperately need hope. There are people that desperately need to hear that they're not alone. That there's a God I love them. Maybe they've been ostracized or maybe they've been forgotten. Not here. May it never be here. We just need to start opening our eyes. We just need to start looking and saying, God, who is it that you've called us to do? Maybe that disruption in your schedule this week is a chance to change someone's life. Let me try this again. Ryan, can you just click ahead for me? Thank you. Whatever is going on in your life, know that God's here. He has a plan for you. And he has a plan for this church. I believe that. I tell you, I'm I'm tired after this week. And at the end of this week, I was sitting there going, I don't know if I don't know if I can keep doing this. And then God reminded me that four little souls met him this week. And I got to meet with some other people and I saw God continue to move in spite of and knowing that like I'm not alone. And if he can do that for me, there's a lot more people out there that he can do that for. And I think that's why we're here. I I don't know what's happening in your life. But God does. And none of it you have to face by yourself. And so tonight, wherever you're at, whatever's going on, my prayer simply for you is to have the courage to acknowledge that one, you need God. 
you're never going to find true community. You're never going to find a cure for loneliness really outside of him. You're not. We, I, don't, I, we, I don't know how we even think we can interact with one another in a real, deep, relational way without God. Or maybe you're here and just say, man, I'm so busy. God, I keep missing all these divine appointments you're giving me. Give me eyes to see. God, let me see the people that are lonely around me, and may I be that bridge. So whatever's going on, I, I, my prayer is that you just deal with that tonight, that God deals with us, that as we get ready to join, go into a whole other year and we start making plans and everything, that we never forget that the people are the most important thing and that we're here for one reason, to further his kingdom, not ours. And we do that by seeing the people the way God sees them and by having the courage to step out and saying, yes, you're loved. And so tonight I'm going to pray for us and we're going to have just a time response and, and what, whatever that looks like for you, whatever that means, you know, if that's just remembering the sacrifice, what Christ has done through communion, that's there. If it's going in there and like, listen, I love that little prayer area. I refuse to take down those. I don't know how many, if those prayers have been answered yet, but I love because I go in there and I pray for you guys. I love that. And maybe it's just putting a prayer. Maybe it's worshiping through tithes offering. Maybe it's just sitting there. Or maybe you need somebody to pray with. I'm going to be sitting right over here. And you can come over and I'll pray with you. What, whatever that is that God's doing, let it get settled tonight so we can get to business. Let, let's stop going to church and leaving unchanged. Let, let, let's get busy. Because there are thirty to 40,000 people living within 10 minutes, 10 miles of this church that need to know they're not alone. They're not alone. So whatever God's doing, let Him do it. Have the courage to let Him do it. And then do something about it. Let's pray.